Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. something for you. Hallelujah. You know, there's times that the Lord will adjust what we talk about on any on any given service. And you know, it's interesting, I'm finding more and more that when God leads us, when God directs us, it's not always convenient. Now, you know my humanity is, is German. And so we're line upon line, precept upon precept, and we've got our day timer out, and we're making sure we get everything done in that day. And so when God says, do this, do that, now, wait a second, I already wrote that down in my daytime, I don't want to change. It's not always convenient. Come on, honey. Come on. Remember when Jesus was speaking in, in Lazarus' home, and uh, there was Mary and Martha. And, you know, Jesus didn't just say things to fill up the time or to entertain. He always had a purpose. He was always in that place of accomplishment. And so when he sat down and you could sense the anointing, the empowerment upon him to teach, that was the moment that wasn't convenient for everybody. Martha had things to do. <laughs> and by jingle, well, I'm going to get them done. But you know, Jesus said, what you're chasing after Sure, it'll impact you for that moment, but it's not going to take you where you need to go, where I want you to go. And so you and I need to look for times that the Lord might interrupt our life. It, it may not be so convenient. You may not get all the things, naturally speaking, you wanted to get done in that day. But you know, how I many you know that spending seconds in the very midst of Jesus can benefit us for eternity? And what I have to do in that day will just benefit me for that day. Amen? So, I was minding my own business this morning. And uh, just getting ready for all y'all to be here in church. And I had a, a great message all typed up and everything. I'll show it to you later. It's awesome. <laughs> but that's what Bruce wanted to do. 
How many of you would rather hear from Jesus and not Bruce today? A a anybody out there? I know I would, and I'm Bruce. <laughs> I already know everything I'm going to say. I don't always know everything he's going to say. And so this is just a, we're going to take a side journey right here. You ready for a side journey? What's a side journey? I don't know. We just go off, we just go off script and we emphasize something. But somebody here needs to, not needs to hear this. They've been, uh, they've been asking the Lord about this. And so can we just take, before we get into what I, what he wants to do, can we just take a shot over in this direction? Now, since this is a Bible church, let's open our Bibles and make it look like we're a Bible church. So if anybody's watching on, on, on the video, on the live stream, they go, wow, they're really into their Bibles at that place. And since you opened them, why don't you go on over to Romans chapter 10. And... Uh, And the Bible's quite clear. It says over there in Peter, I believe it's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Don't go there. If you're able to get there, who's up there? Sharon? If you're able to get there, put that up and see if I was right about that verse. 2 Peter 3, 9. And you guys are going to what? Romans 10, 13, right? So, how many of you know it's the will of God for every human being to receive salvation? Not just every American, but every Russian, every Chinese, every Indonesia, anyone born in Iran, Iraq, for God so loved the what? The world. Now, that was not just a snapshot of the world when Jesus said it. That was the snapshot of every human being born on the earth for this 6,000 plus years. Amen. Did I find the right verse, Sharon? So the Lord is not slack, meaning that he's not going to withhold concerning his promise. How many of you know that everything that God has spoken forth as a promise to you and I, it, it must and it will come to pass? Yeah. Yeah. Now, it may tarry, because timing of fulfillment of his promise, a promise is, has a lot more to do with us than it does him. Now look at this. He's not slack concerning his promise, but it says that he is long-suffering. Everybody say long-suffering. Long to who? Usward, that would be you and I. And he's not willing, so he's, he's about to tell us his will. Now to most Christians in Christendom, God's will is this mystery. Well, you just never know what God's going to do. And that simply isn't true. If I don't know what the Lord's will is, and I'm exposing myself that I'm not reading the book 
of his last will and testament. Amen. Because the word of God is the published will of God. And then Jesus and his earthly ministry is the will of God in action. Everything that Jesus did in his earthly ministry was the will of God. Because he said, I always do that which pleases my father. I do nothing of myself. So he was submitted under God on the earth. But look over here. He's not willing that any should perish. We know from the King James that perish means to miss the promise of God of eternal life. But it's his will that all should come to what? Repentance. Now, repentance is the choice that we make. We turn from what we're pursuing and we turn 180 through repentance and we receive him in his ways. That, that's what salvation is. Salvation is a choice we make through recognizing our need for him. Now, let me, let, me get, let me give you the Reader's Digest, condensed version. There are those that are concerned about your loved ones, whether it be your children, wh whether it be your grandchildren, whether it be someone that's close to you, and you're, 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 you're so concerned that you, you've gotten to a state of being worried and from your mental perception and, and through your emotions you're going how in the world's God going to pull this off I know he's God and all but how's he going to do this well this is what I saw and again I didn't see it with my natural eyes I saw it with the eye of my heart just like you see things with the eye of your heart Sometimes that's how he leads us. And first and foremost, realize that because this is a desire that you have for them, and that desire you got from the Lord, because that's the same desire that the Lord has for them. But what you've been doing is that you've been focusing on the finish line and not what it takes to get to the finish line. You see, we as Christians, we have this tendency to just want the bottom line. Come on. Come on. And we don't realize what it takes to produce the bottom line. Like, for, for instance, you're thinking of this loved one, and, we're, and it, you're, just, you're just consumed with the thought, Oh, Lord, save them. Oh, Lord, reach them. Oh, Lord. I won't ask for a show of hands, but that's many times what we're, we're doing. But you know, the farmer, when he looks out at his field and he wants a harvest from that field, he doesn't break out the big boys to harvest. No, he begins concentrating on what it takes to have a harvest. He's not all consumed with the harvest but he's involved in the process to produce a harvest yes. Amen. 
So what's he doing? He's preparing the soil. Have you ever thought that our loved ones need to have their heart prepared for the word of salvation to be sown in their heart? Because the Bible tells us there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the enemy has come to blind the minds of those that believe not. And he'll do things that will cause them to be offended at God or disappointed in God or with, because of a lack of knowledge, not realizing what certain, why certain things happened that hurt them in their life. You know my story. For 24 years, I was mad at God because I lost my father when I was nine years old. And I thought God should have done something about that. So over here, could you, could you bring up verse 13, please? At Romans 10, I believe. Now, many times in the King James, things are in reverse. And the reason that is, is because the original manuscripts started from what we call the back of the book and go to what we call the front of the book. So when King James is translating from Greek and Aramaic into English, verses were installed to help us to study the Word of God. And when they break it down, sometimes we'll begin in the end of a thought and then get to the beginning. So here, here's what the Lord wants to see happen. This is the final result. And this is what people are praying for instead of praying for the process to get to this verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Right? Notice it's the individual who makes the choice. Whosoever. That's talking about me. That's talking about you. That's talking about our loved one. This is the moment of harvest. Now, how do I get my loved one to verse 13? Could I have the next verse, please? How then shall they call on him how 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 can they do verse 13 in whom they haven't believed and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher next verse And how shall they preach except they be sent? Now just hold, just hold that thought. And this is kind of coming to me as we go. I want to read a, a verse from Jesus. Anybody remember Jesus? Anybody here in this house remember Jesus? Hallelujah. I'm, I'm over in verse 9. If you, if you want to juggle scripture, Sharon, and put it up, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine as well. Whatever works for you. So I'm over here in Matthew, verse 9. And uh, I sure hope we get to the sermon today. Um, 
it says in verse 37 that, and I picture this as Jesus on a hill and he's praying. And he's looking down. Have you ever looked down on a city before? It's, it's kind of magnificent, isn't it? You look down over a city. And he's looking down and he saw the multitudes. He saw all the people there. And it says that he was moved with compassion on them. Now, this is where you are right now with your loved ones. You're looking at them. You're, 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 you're praying for them. You're, you're, oh, and your heart's just going out as if you'd like to be them for just a moment and, and call out to the Lord. Now, let's see what he does with his compassion. You see, compassion always needs an expression. Compassion always needs action. For God so loved the world. There's the compassion. What, what is the release of that compassion? He gave his only begotten son. See that? So we have to channel, that's not a good word. We've got to get our compassion to go in the right direction. To see the fulfillment of that which we're compassionate for them. Now look at this. He had compassion on them because they fainted, they were scattered, and they were sheep that had no shepherd. That's our loved ones. They don't have a shepherd. They don't have the shepherd, Jesus Christ. And so they're just going through life, thinking they're doing all sorts of things, but they're just running on a treadmill like a, or a, a, a running wheel that a hamster will run on. A lot of effort, but not really going anywhere. So what did Jesus do? Now notice, I'm sorry if I'm throwing a lot at you this morning. I, I didn't give you a handout or anything, and so if you don't get something up, that's fine. But notice he says, how can they have a preacher unless the preacher is what? Sent. Now look what happens here. Oh, my goodness. Verse 37. He said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are what? Few. How do I resolve that? Pray, verse 38, Therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, first and foremost, instead of praying, Lord, save so-and-so, start praying, Lord, send laborers to Amanda. You know, many times because we're so close to our loved ones, there's this pecking order that gets established. And... You, you can't always be the person that speaks into their life because you're so-and-so. Just like I'm the youngest of three boys. I can never talk to my brothers about Jesus because I'm the kid brother. Thank you, I don't. I just, there's a lot I don't know. You understand what I'm saying? But the Lord knows who they'll listen to. So if I tell the Lord to send laborers to them, that's where the process begins. And that's all I'm going to say this morning about this. 
I want you to start being consumed on the process to see your loved ones saved. Be part of that process in prayer. Be part of the one that's doing what it takes for someone to be saved. You just don't pray over, you just don't wave your hand over a city and say, be saved. Jesus didn't do that. Guess what? We're not going to do that. So begin sending laborers to them. And send them every day. Send them every day. Send them every day. Now, that was a word from our sponsor. Let's get, let's get, let's get into the, the meat of what I believe he wanted to say this morning. Let's pray for understanding. Father, thank you for this morning. We know you're here. We don't have to see you. We don't have to touch you. We don't have to feel you. We don't have to hear your audible voice, but you said if we would gather in the name of Jesus, there you are. And you're not just here to observe. You're here to help us. You're going to help me to speak. You're going to help the hearer hear. And so, Father, help us to understand that we're not hearing a mental message. One that is understood with the reasoning of a mind. But this message is speaking to our hearts, that place where we believe. Help us to take you at your word this morning. Help us to allow the entrance of what you're saying into our hearts. May it be uh, enter into that place of consideration. Thank you for bringing light today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I shared a little bit about this with our guests this morning. I heard a phrase this morning. And the phrase was that we're in a new spiritual season of change. Now, I'm adding a little of my my understanding to this. I, I don't believe that this is speaking solely about Birthed Family Church. I believe it's speaking to all of Christendom. You realize that there are seasons in God. I said there's seasons in God. We've been in this current dispensation for over 2,000 years. And the Bible calls it the last days. So, dare I say that we're in the last of the last days. We're, we're quickly approaching the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. Remember what the angel said as Jesus was ascending up into that cloud. That angel said, this same Jesus that you see ascending shall come back in like matter we could be I said we could be the generation in which we'll witness and be here on the earth when Jesus establishes his natural kingdom on the earth exciting times so we're in a new spiritual season. Now, 
it tells us over in Matthew chapter 13 that the end of the world is the harvest. So when you and I are looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's really two things that we're going to look at. We're going to look for a glorious church and we're going to look for a harvest of souls. We're quickly approaching 8 billion people living on this ball of dirt. In 2025, India will be the most populated nation in the world. And China will be number two. And they are virtually untouched with the gospel. Untouched with the gospel. And so we're looking for two things, a glorious church, and we're looking for a harvest. What's a harvest? People coming to the Lord to be saved. I'm not talking about filling churches up with people. I'm talking about a genuine, real relationship being established with an individual and the Savior of our souls, Jesus Christ. Now, how can I be so, I don't know, bold to say we're in a new season? Where's the evidence, preacher man? Well, the Bible says something interesting. And it says that you can see the change in the seasons. Now, just this last week, I noticed there were a bunch of flies in our house. Ooh. What's going on? It's time to lay eggs. I saw the bird feeder of our hummingbirds go down four inches in five days. What's that mean? They're migrating. I saw the other night the outside temperature go down to 58 degrees. And everybody said, You know, the last couple of days that that bite of the summer heat wasn't as intense. So we're seeing what? Signs of the season turning. I believe that we're seeing that in the church. Now, why do you say that? Well, I think it's been three weeks, maybe four. Three weeks ago, an evangelist by the name of Mario Marilla had a revival meeting in Colorado Springs. 
2,500 people came forward to receive Jesus Christ Hallelujah. as their Savior. Glory. About two weeks, maybe three weeks, Joel Osteen rented Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. <laughs> Twenty-five thousand people came forward to receive Jesus Christ Hallelujah. as their Savior. Woo, glory. <laughs> That's like seeing flies in my house. <laughs> Come on. Harvest. Yes. I said harvest. Yes. Now, understand that God is strategic. We kind of think that he's really random, but he's a strategist. Yes. Yeah, come on. Why in the world, why should we get people saved in New York City? We New Yorkers don't have a very good reputation, do we? Huh? Well, we, we don't. <laughs> Why? Remember, God's a strategist. Why, be, why have outpouring and revival and, and an atmosphere of heaven on the earth for people to receive Christ as their Savior in New York City? The Bronx, for goodness sake. Well, did you ever think about it that New York is the financial capital of the world? Come on. You can reach a lot of people when what you're doing is being facilitated and underwritten. Amen? Well, why Colorado Springs? dare I say, it's the spiritual capital of Colorado. See, God's a strategist. And so we're, we're seeing the changing of the seasons naturally and spiritually. Going over to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. I'm saying it in a I'm not sure tone. Uh, could you put that up, please? Now, remember, I told you there was two major ingredients that will facilitate revival or the saving of the multitudes. And I believe that we're beginning to see it come into motion for us. Now, over here in Ephesians, yeah, I, I'm sorry, just hold that and let me 
I was just reminded of what I'm, how am I supposed to present this. I'm over in Ephesians. I'm in chapter 5 soon. Wait for it. I thought I could do this as one verse. Hello. There's Ephesians. What's, how you doing? All right. I'm in chapter 5. And here Jesus uh, is explaining uh, through the Apostle Paul about the relationship with the husband and the wife. And that's also a type and shadow of our relationship with Jesus. He's the groom and we're the bride. Right? Jesus is the groom, we're the bride. And so he'll begin talking about the relationship of the husband and the wife, and then it'll move from that natural example and give us a spiritual example. Many times that's how the Bible teaches us things. Because if we can grasp it naturally, then we can make the transition into spiritual. So here he's saying, in verse 25, I'm in the middle of the verse, I'm reading from King James, it says that Christ, that's the bride, also loved the church. Excuse me, Christ is the groom, here's the church, we're the bride. And he gave himself for it. Jesus gave himself for the church. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, by the word of God. Now he's washing us and cleansing us so that he can present to himself. Isn't that interesting? He came to adorn the bride to present that bride to himself that he might present it to himself, a what? A glorious church. Now, this is another sign besides harvest that you're going to see to show you the changing of the seasons is that God is coming for a glorious church. Now, people hear that and they go, how is that possible? We're imperfect human beings that have been perfected on the inside, but we're still so clumsy on the outside. How, how can that be glorious? Well, what he's going to do is he's going to allow his glory to manifest itself in the church. And the glorious church will be him in the church. Hallelujah. Check this out. This church, the glorious church, is going to be without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, but it should be holy and what? Without blemish. You see, when we come together and gather in his name and we make a habitation or an environment for him to come into our midst, when he comes into that midst, the whole group is sanctified and cleansed and is made holy, a collective holy group of people. And it's in that atmosphere that he's preparing us for his return. He's coming for a, a glorious church. 
Now, let me just finish with this. How will these things be? How will the harvest come in? How will we become the glorious church? Again, it's, it's, it's like we talked about seeing someone receive Christ. There's a process. We don't ask for the final result. Oh God, make us a glorious church. Oh God, make us a glorious church. No, we do those things that causes us to become the glorious church. And when that takes place, more of his heavenly presence will be able to be given place to be here on the earth. And when that presence is down here on the earth, that's when you begin to see the harvest of souls coming. You see, on the day of Pentecost, 120 people gathered in secrecy and in behind locked doors praying for God to pour his spirit out upon them. For some say 10 days, some say 40 days, but they continued to pray and seek God. And as they did that, they made a little area, probably much smaller than this sanctuary. They made it available for God to come from heaven and manifest heaven in their midst. And when he did come, the doors were busted open. This presence went all out into the streets of Jerusalem with these 120. Peter stood up and began to preach. Remember, how can you be saved without a preacher? So he's out there preaching. And at the end of the day, when he gave a call to receive Jesus Christ, 3,000 people were saved. Because they became that glorious church in the upper room where God was able to come in and then he spewed out into the streets of Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit began speaking to hearts of men as Peter was speaking and they were drawn to Jesus Christ and were saved. You and I can be part of that process. There's one thing to go to a football game and watch people play football, but I'm telling you it's a lot more fun to get on the field I'm not going to wait around and watch a lot of other places have revival and have souls won to the Lord and see the glory of God. Don't you think maybe we should have it at BFC? Yes, come on. Come on. Woo! Glory. Yes. Don't you think we should have that here? Yes. Amen. Can't get into it now. He shows us exactly how to do it. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for this new season. I thank you that you're now promoting a change of the spiritual atmosphere in your church. It's your church. We thank you in the same way that we can see fall entering in as a new season in Colorado. We also see by some of the signs going on in, in the United States of America 
that there's signs of you beginning to work what you promised would happen in the last of the last days. I ask that you'd give us a hunger and thirst for these things. I ask that you would, would, would show us our place where you want to use us to facilitate this change. Lord, I thank you for it. Lord, we're hungry for it. Say, I'm hungry for what God has for us. I'm hungry for what he wants to do and say.